0: To don't die before you're dead. I'm your host, Mary McCartney, and this is where we talk about all things related to living the life you were meant to live. Sometimes our plans get on hold, sometimes we have to wait, but what are we waiting for? sometimes waiting is just the enemy or an excuse. So this morning, I have a fabulous guest from the UK. And uh, of course, you would know that as soon as you hear him speak, I'm sure. His name is Lee Chambers. And welcome, Lee. I'm so glad you're here today. As an environmental psychologist, your business has evolved. I see in the background, you have essentialized. And that is a fascinating topic at, that we'd love to get into. So welcome. And And I so appreciate you taking the time to join us today.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on with you, Mary.
0: Great. And you have quite an interesting story. Now, I just was looking at some of the things that you have done, and you've overcome quite a number of challenges. But I think the one that has driven you the most probably came when you least expected it, as life can do that, right? So can you give us a snapshot?
1: Yeah, so in so many ways, I've, I've had a few challenges, but I've had a relatively stable childhood, a uh, blue-collar family here in the UK, and was uh, a curious child, a little bit disruptive, <laughs> and I managed to become the first one in my whole family to go to university. So that was Excellent. both a privilege and a challenge. Um, uh-huh. Struggled, but managed to graduate, and then came out into the workforce in 2007, and got spat back out again very quickly, six oh, months later. Um, but that that experience set me on a bit of a path where I was determined to show that I could survive on my own. I set my own business up and that was very successful. And I continued to work in a number of different industries, really trying to find what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And this was a kind of like a, a period of peacefulness and a period of comfort in my life, relatively speaking, where I then got married to my wife and started my family. Uh, and then all of a sudden in 2014, just turned 29 started to think, right, what else do I want to do before I become a 30-year-old father of two (laughs) and I have to be, supposed, according to society, a little bit more sensible. Um, Becoming conscious of where you're going. Oh, yeah, and I I really (laughs) don't like conforming. So those kind of thoughts tend to go through my mind quite often. Uh Uh, But suddenly, my immune system started to attack the connective tissue in my joints. And I went, in the course of a week, from being very physically active, very athletic, very independent and quite individualistic in some ways to being stuck in a hospital bed, immobilized as my immune system had attacked my joints so badly that they were swollen up, knees the size of footballs, a shoulder up by my ear and wow. a wrist that looked like two baseballs welded together. And it was in so many ways a a challenge, but I was in shock because it had happened so quickly. Didn't know how to process it. And I suddenly felt, I'm not sure what the future holds right now.
0: And be not, not great off your feet there as you're trying to find the balance for your future. Life can do that. It can just uh, just come along and slap us silly and we have to assess. So right away... Um, you've got this issue going on. Are they aware of what's causing it?
1: Yeah, so I, I started to be continually tested by the doctors for a number of different options to try and work out why my immune system had decided to become incredibly angry. And I kind of started the process where they drained the fluid off my joints and found that it damaged some of my ligaments and my tendons. Uh, and it was incredibly painful. I was going um, to say it sounded painful. <laughs> but, but they started to get to a point where they realized that something had become decoded within my immune system and this specific type of tissue that lives within your joints it was attacking it like it was an invader like it was a foreign body Mm -hmm. like it was something that needed to be attacked so ultimately they realized that it's very difficult to define exactly why this has happened because they tried to look for traces of previous infection that might have left debris in the joints and Mm -hmm. they didn't find anything there and I was tested by a number of different departments and it got to the point where they said the only thing we can do for you is to dampen your immune system so you stop attacking yourself but that will mean you spend pretty much most of your life having blood tests to see how your immune system is and you have to be monitored and have this medication which isn't very pleasant Um, and that really struck a chord with me because I struggled at first with the kind of the 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 mental changing of this is gone and it's gone very quickly. I don't know what the future holds. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got an 18 month old son, my wife's six months pregnant and this adversity has hit me like a brick wall. Yet, I'm now feeling these negative feelings and I need to express them to people who come. I need to get them out. If I suppress them, they're going to come back at some point in the future (laughs) And find me
0: how how did you know to do that i mean this is we're talking about somebody at a very young age and you know i don't want to stereotype but it's really hard for i got i'm the mother of four boys so i you know the male species i mean they're not the most uh, chatty about you know expressing their feelings so how did you get to the place where you realize how healthy that was for you
1: yeah. So because I'd had significant mental health challenges at university and what that had actually led me to do was to avoid things. So I had to work for a uni to fund my living, to fund my expenses. And I went to university and I tried to be quite social. And what happened is when I started to struggle with mental health, this was 15 years ago, over 15 years ago now, the awareness wasn't there. Mm -hmm. and there wasn't the people in university the well-being officers there wasn't the forums on the internet and and the and the you know the men's conversation groups to visit so I felt like I had no one to speak to and that led me to start to avoid university my job my friends my family events and it got to a point where I isolated myself in my university dorm for two weeks my parents came brought the door down and took me home and Going through that experience, I was then taken out of the pressure and taken back to a place of safety at home, yeah. and that really allowed me to reflect on what had happened and yeah. realize that makes I a lot of had, sense.: Yeah, I'd suppressed a lot of negativity, and then that caused me to have tried to avoid reality and avoid moving into it and avoid accepting things how they were and starting mm-hmm. to look at a brighter future. Um, So that had given me a taste of adversity that I'd had to try and overcome and try and find a way to process through. And that had increased my self-awareness to understand that, to navigate my emotions and find a way to express them. Mm -hmm. was the healthiest thing to do. And that as human beings, we have a lot of negative emotions. It's what keeps us safe. It's what signals that there's something wrong. And it's what actually ultimately keeps us sane because you wouldn't want to be that person who was positive all the time because in a strange way that would be insanity
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's a big uh, the big movement about always being positive but you know we need a balance is a big thing which of course you you've also uh, spoken to many people about with different podcasts and so that that whole process of being able to say addressing the negative feelings being able to you know express them and i'm sure that um you know in the situation of now being in the hospital bed and what you're facing because you've been through it were you able to say i've done it before i can do this again
1: uh in some ways yeah and what it did is by going through that experience i started to build a little skill set and a few tools to help me through this um but obviously this was a more significant challenge because coming out of the mental the mental health issues i was kind of quite safe i didn't have a family i was taken home but i didn't have anyone else that i was responsible for mm-hmm. and the thing with mental health is you can't physically tangibly see it and you f- do feel like you can work on it more so this felt uh, quite a bit out of my control because obviously all mm-hmm. of a sudden i've got an immune system that's running riot and mm-hmm. I don't have any control over that. So what kind of happened is I knew I had to expe- you know, experience this. And those questions did hit me. You know, Why now? Why me? I'd never mm-hmm. been in hospital before this had happened in my whole life, apart from when I was born. Mm-hmm. So I'd always been fit and healthy. And all of a sudden, I had put elements of value on my own masculinity, on being quite athletic, playing mm-hmm. with my son you know, being able to be independent and play team sports with friends and be able to go and do challenges and, Mm -hmm. you know, basically overcome obstacles physically.
0: Live a normal life, basically.
1: Yeah. And then suddenly I didn't know what the future held. So I did feel despair. I did feel frustration. And I did start to actually grieve a little bit because I just didn't know how much Mm -hmm. mobility I'd regain at the time.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I know, as I mentioned to you before, with my husband being ill, he lost mobility gradually. So we we grieved different things as time passed. So I totally get that because you think it's gone. You think it's it's lost. And, you know, you mourn that. It's part of who you are. However, um, you're sitting here chatting with me you have you've done well so the end of the story is really a good one
1: yeah so through all that experience and and expressing those negative emotions i actually found a place of peace about 2 weeks in and i got moved up to a longer term ward in the hospital on the top floor and i was in a ward with three elderly gentlemen and speaking to them they were they ultimately said to me you know Lee. We've come towards the end of our lives. We can see our mortality. We've we've you know, we've done everything that we we, we wanted to do in some ways, but in some ways we've got regrets and mm. don't live with those regrets, Lee, and definitely don't give up. You're young, you have a whole life in front of you, you've got your family, you need to push on and you need to, you know, really get yourself well again, get yourself back on your feet and you'll live to the same age as us. If you just believe it and you kind of mm-hmm. push forward, and looking out of the window next to my bed, I could see over the fields towards the town that I was born, and I'd walked over those fields a lot of times over the years, and it dawned on me that I'd not been grateful for walking or mm. lost it, yeah. and that fueled me up inside. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I can't do all these basic things, but look what's happening. People in my life are coming to help me do these things. I've not been grateful enough to them. And then the gratitude for just, you know, growing up in the UK. I'd never been hungry or homeless. I'd never faced environmental disaster or war. I'd had opportunity to do all these amazing things and I'm like, education. Right. Why should I lie here and think, oh, this is it, nothing I can do.
0: Right. I, like, not- yeah. I-, I think you're not alone there. Do you not think that it's kind of like it's basically human nature. We want what we can't have, and we're not, we're not really conscious. I, don't, I want to say we're not grateful, but that's an act of consciousness, right? So I'm sure you had a lot of time to reflect while you're in that situation. And, you know, I mean, even just having some elderly gentlemen there to, to encourage you and the scenery that you had. I mean, you weren't in some, you know, remote place where you were just alone with your thoughts, but you actually had that opportunity to be encouraged by others. And of course, your family, the people that came, right?
1: Yeah. And that just shows the power because I don't really like the word elderly, It gives connotations of people who uh, ultimately pass the best. But what those gentlemen of a certain age, which is another really annoying (laughs) thing, a certain age, uh, actually gave me Uh was was wisdom. Yes. And they gave that gift to me in that hospital bed. Amazing. uh, And it's really powerful because... You can't always see that, especially when you're closer to your birth than you are to your death yes. in relative terms. Yeah. Because, you know, as a 29-year-old young man, you feel a bit invincible. You know, you yes. feel a bit unbreakable. And it's not until you get a bit wiser that you actually realise how easily you can be snapped and how really in life you're going to glue yourself back together quite a few times. yes. Um, Yes, that kind of then set me on a path. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to recover. Because not only am I going to do it for me to get back on my feet, but I've got my children. I come out of hospital and go into walking rehab and then into physiotherapy. My daughter's born and I see her hold her in my arms and realize she's going to be walking soon. She's not going to give up. She's not going to have society tell her she can't. She's just going to keep falling over till she does. So I'm going to keep falling over until I do. And by the time she's walking, I'll be walking too. And the power of that, when we do something for somebody else, yeah. we'll actually go further, we'll be more consistent, and we'll actually we'll bind that why into our hearts so yes. that every day we have a reason for pushing against the pain, against the suffering, and actually... You-
0: You had, sorry, you had a super great reason and and such a a great mindset of saying, I want to, I want to go back and play with my children. Uh, You didn't want, I mean, you were grieving the loss of being able to do some things probably with your son and now your daughter's coming. Um, In terms of, of looking and saying the why, do people actually in day-to-day being on the hamster wheel get up go to work go home go to bed that sort of thing do they really look at the why of you know do they have a motivation to keep them living towards the life they were meant to live you obviously had tremendous reasons and it's unfortunately that a lot of us really have to go through something really tough to take a look at that. So as a coach and as you are working with people that are um, now, you said, you know, tell me in a minute what about your your age group. Though you know, how do you get people in general in the midst of their life to look at the why? You were forced to. How do you how do you get people to understand that there's a time that they have to do that?
1: Yeah. So so often it, it comes down to the fact that. We're not great human beings at questioning ourselves. And the real power is when someone is able to question you in a way that helps you dig a little bit deeper into what's there because mm-hmm. we all have a why, a set of values that drives our behaviors and beliefs. And then our beliefs are built on top of that and that influences our actions. And ultimately our actions then affect our thoughts and our feelings. Mm-hmm. But we tend to live in that top, element of thoughts and feelings and so often they are the signal that there's something not right why do you feel like i'm just not enjoying work why do i feel like is there something more there and sometimes it does actually require someone to come with the intention of helping you start to dig through those layers Mm -hmm. inside everyone it are the answers to a life that you want to live and is that really the roadmap? for the life and purpose that you have inside of you. Mm -hmm. But when we're moving at such speed, when people are on that wheel spinning endlessly, Mm -hmm. you can't see anything. Life's like a blur. You're almost Mm -hmm. dizzy. And yet in front of you, there's just one essential thing that you need to do. And I almost sometimes use the analogy, spin round, spin round, keep spinning and then put your finger in front of your face. Focus on your finger even though you're completely dizzy, Mm -hmm. see it clearly you won't fall over. Mm, That's a really good analogy. But if you start looking everywhere, like so many people do in life, looking, 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 it makes you even more dizzy. Right. And it's really about questioning people and helping them suddenly slow down, take a step back out of themselves and Mm -hmm. almost look at themselves as a little actor in their own lives. Because... That's you know we get stuck in our own perception we get we ultimately we don't give ourselves permission so often, and if anything, the one person stopping you from the life that you want, the life that you know lights you up inside, and the life that you honestly were here to here to enjoy. If you, <laughs> you're always in your own way.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, Lee, I, I think you're absolutely right. That's that's my belief. But do you think a lot of people find that it's easier to say, I can't because somebody else is in my way? Could be yeah. a spouse, could be a parent, could be children. Um, sometimes we put too much pressure on others for the results of our own life. It would, would, would you think that's a fair statement?
1: Oh, yeah. So we don't live in, a, in an accountability culture where people take responsibility for their response to events and mm-hmm. take ownership over the things that they can control. So we, we have a, unfortunately, we, we, have a, we have a kind of cultural perspective that when something happens to us, well, there's got to be someone to blame. Mm-hmm. And when we're t- when we're so busy looking for someone or something to blame, we forget to see that actually, Quite often, external events are not our, not in our control. Mm-hmm. But how we respond to those events, there's a gap there we can step into and choose our response. Mm-hmm. By choosing our response, that's becoming responsible. As an adult, you're supposed to be responsible. But,
0: <laughs> well, um, as a father... You had no responsibility, right? So you took that upon yourself, and you stepped in the gap, and you set yourself a goal, and you discovered that you really um, now, sad to say, that you had that time to step out of the day to day to reflect, and people don't take that time, and they do. You had that time, and you you looked at the future you wanted to create, and you looked at your family, and you chose to move forward rather than to say, I can't. And so you wanted to be able to walk alongside your daughter. How did that go?
1: Yeah, it, it, it took 11 months to get back and walk on Mylon which was 11 months from discharge, which was two weeks before my daughter started walking. So yeah. I was able to walk with my daughter. And that really is a defining moment in my life a moment that brings me to tears when I think about it, but it just shows the potential of human beings to push through limits and boundaries and and to recover from challenge. And obviously I use that as a big part in my work now to help people see that you can be empowered towards outcomes that you want, even when they seem like they're quite a long way away because I'm not special. I'm just another human being, just like you you can achieve that too. But it does require you to start to look and take ownership over certain elements of your life, because there are some things that you can control. And yeah, through that suffering, you have a right to feel and express that it's, you know, it doesn't feel like it's fair. It doesn't feel like it should have happened now. And yet in crisis, human beings become incredibly resilient. They become incredibly innovative and creative and you need to harness that because that's a human being superpower we all have that inside of us Mm -hmm. but if you are trying to look outside for the answers you'll generally come up short because the answers are inside and that's the time to dig deep and ultimately that might come in your 20s it might come in your 50s But Mm -hmm. if you can go into that situation with a self-awareness and you've built that and you can build that at any age, Mm -hmm. that'll give you the tools and the skills, give you the space to respond and give you the chance to actually use difficult times to grow as a human being and become more on the other side and Mm -hmm. bounce back higher than you went in in so many ways.
0: Excellent point. You, your situation is fair is quite extreme with regards to what you've gone through. And there are people that might be sitting back and saying, well, that's not me. I haven't had that big a, a, an event in my life or that disastrous an event to overcome. And yet they're still stuck. So when you look at uh, your business and the fact that you're able to coach, I mean, you're talking a lot about, you know, the mindset and the power of one's thinking and their own um, intestinal fortitude if you will now you're essentialized that is is that primarily like your coaching business and and tell me a little bit about that who tends to reach out to you and say i need i need that outside accountability if you will to to help me get unstuck
1: yeah so the the whole premise of essentialize was to look at what's essential which in this world of so much is actually so little Mm. so Principles of essentialize is that what's actually essential is the why, the why you do what you do, your health, and understanding yourself. So, we take people through a process where initially they look at the why, the goals that they've set, the directions that they've traveled in and want to travel in. They do a little bit of reflection on times gone by and find things that they enjoyed or they didn't. Mm-hmm. And dig a bit deeper into why that happened. And then we start to get a clearer picture of actually where would you want to go in the future? Mm -hmm. Uh, We then look around health. So we do a little bit of work on sleep, nutrition, and movement and start to look at how you can make small changes that you can implement into your life as it is at the moment that start to make a small difference now, but a bigger difference as the years go by. Mm -hmm. And starts to become part of your identity, starts to become something you consistently do. It becomes a habit that you just automatically do. And we help people to build those in. And then we kind of look at psychology. So the truth is so many people don't go out there and start to carve and chisel the life that they want. Because mm-hmm. they've got beliefs that they can't. They've got beliefs that hold them back. They've got habits that don't serve them and they don't understand how to navigate their emotions the thoughts and the feelings so we do a whole element on psychology but not that boring psychology you do in education <laughs> that isn't That's good. yeah we, we actually do practical digestible yeah. and actionable psychology little exercises that just help people to realize i've got an understanding of why i feel that way now yeah and I can see these thoughts going by, and I can start to choose a little bit more which ones I jump into. What
0: I really like, Lee, about what you're saying is that you start with where people are at, and you're looking at small incremental steps that grow exponentially, so that the little bit you do today becomes an enormous difference as you get older. Now, you probably know from from your expertise there that people and your own personal experience, people in their um, ex- far end of the, the spectrum of their lives and maybe can see the finish line, many say they live with regrets, that they didn't do what they wanted to do. And maybe that's where the realization comes in that they should have taken more onus upon themselves as opposed to, you know, their earlier years looking at, you know, it's can't, I can't do this because of my family. I can't do this because of money. I can't, I can't, I can't. And yet, the small steps that you make today are really showing people how to build a why yeah. and to uh, you know start with those small steps where they are. Now, you were saying to me that the people who are becoming more aware, more conscious of taking some control of their lives, of what they can control anyway, uh, are sort of in their early 40s?
1: Yeah, so more often than not, they've hit a point in their lives where either they've seen someone close to them possibly pass maybe the parents or maybe even an old school friend who's mm. you know, unfortunately died mm-hmm. early or they've started their children have started to grow up and they're starting to think well it's i've i've given a lot to my children but now it's time for me but i'm struggling to find who, who am i my identity's become you know molded into being a parent and being possibly a curer to their parents Hmm. and just being not me, but who am I authentically? Because a massive part of my work is about authenticity, being able to express yourself because like we discussed before, the root of the word authenticity is author. And you need to get that pen and write your own book and you can start a new chapter anytime you want and decide who else is allowed to contribute and when you actually get that and understand that wait a minute so there isn't really anything holding me back apart from myself and yeah financially things might be challenging yeah the situation might not be what what you want it to be at the moment but while change is a little bit scary change can happen and you can incite that change and make that change something that you shape to be how you want it to be and so often we feel disempowered as humans, like mm-hmm. we're just going to jump in the river and it's going to pull us away with the tide. But w- when that river flows, the energy's there. You have the energy of a flowing river, but you can also build a dam. You can make it ch- and channel it off to utilize in your own way. And the energy there point. inside of us all the time. Mm-hmm. you just got to start to channel it and that's where taking ownership and making decisions for you sometimes it's not always selfish to put some time into you and society again sometimes tells us oh you can't do that you're selfish mm-hmm. and the truth is some people are so self-centered they literally can't see anything else
0: right right but the
1: the people who give in this world sometimes give so much take very little back but find themselves with nothing to give themselves. Yes,
0: true. Self care is critical to being able to be of service to others. It's like if you don't uh, if you don't feel your own well, you can't yeah. offer anything to anyone else. So, Lee, this has been an amazing conversation. I am so happy that you joined us today. How can people get in touch with you or find you? And and if they decide they want some more information from you, um, you have opened up some urge in somebody to say, yeah, that's me. I really need to talk to this guy and figure out um, how to take back some of my own ownership rather than just keep giving it away. So how can people find you?
1: Yeah. The best place to be would be on uh, a www.essentialize.co.uk. And there you can find my social channels, my blog and the services that I offer And find out a little bit more about my own journey and why Mm -hmm. I do the work that I do.
0: Well, I think it's been an amazing journey. And I think it's really, really enlightening for others to hear it because you know the mind is such a powerful tool and i personally think that you know we have no idea how powerful uh, our minds are and what we can do with them and it always amazes me to hear stories like yours where it all boils down to the will to do the will to move forward and like you said your why so i so appreciate uh, your joining me this morning and uh, i hope our listeners will reach out and uh, i will be putting this uh, podcast up very shortly. And so I hope others will join in and hear that story. So thank you once again. Um, And for my listeners, again, this is don't die before you're dead. And we have a perfect example of that from, you know, hearing about these elderly gentlemen, and, you know, maybe elderly is a word that I need to look at Because I might be there before too long myself. So uh, again, it's Mary McCartney. Don't die before you're dead. And I challenge you to dare to live the life you are meant to live. Thank you for joining us.